Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, it's our best and worst of movies for 2018. As we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is a film aficionado for Humanica Media. you got to check out everything that's going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend, and he's going to be crashing hard by the end of this episode. It is Josh Peterson. Stay alive, my friend. Stay alive. Drink that Red Bull. And then I won't go to sleep. I'm good, man. I'm good. Let's talk about some movies. All right. We are here today to talk about our favorite movies, plus our not-so-favorite movies this year in 2018. But it all starts off with our best in movies in 2018 because there's so much to talk about when there is movies out there galore that we've come across, we've seen, we've sat through. Some are good, some are not so good, some are right in the middle. So, Josh, for your number 10 film of 2018, I got to hear it, man. We'll go one at a time. You go your number 10, I'll go my number 10 after that. So your number 10 film of 2018. I got a quiet place. I like the movie, love love what they did with it, but there are just so many other movies out there that I liked better this year that it almost didn't make the list. So, Quiet Place was good. You know, John Krasinski, great directorial debut. Uh, he did a good job working. The sound editing was fantastic, and not as you know, not as good as Blade Runner twenty forty nine, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, so that's my number ten. You know, I I, I don't know where they're going to go with the sequel. Allegedly, one's in development, but you know, this was a movie that went places that the horror genre has not gone before and the horror genre has been everywhere so that's my number 10 what is your number 10 number 10 on my list is power of grayskull the definitive history of he-man and the masters of the universe it is one of the best documentaries that i've seen over the course of the past couple years and i've seen quite a few because rob mccallum films has done quite a few missing mom Nintendo Quest, those have been outstanding documentaries. Won't You Be My Neighbor was also an outstanding documentary as well. So of those, I think right there, Power of Grayskull, which Rob McCallum played a part in directing, I want to congratulate him, plus everybody involved with the Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It's truly a well-thought-out, 
background of the toys, the you know how they became a hit, how they came to be, the trouble between Kenner and, and Mattel and all that, how Star Wars fits into it. All that backstory was really fun to tell. And it told it in a concise 90-minute story that I just really, truly enjoyed from beginning to end. I want to give my shout-out to number 10, The Power of Grayskull, The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which you can catch right now on Netflix. All right, my friend, I want to hear your number nine. Your number nine on your list of the top 10 films of 2018. Okay, so you and I are probably going to differ on this one. I got Deadpool 2. Well, Deadpool 2 was good. It, it I liked the first one better because I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect going in. And this one kind of just did the same thing that Deadpool 1 did, but not as good. The jokes kind of went too far in some places. Like, they, they stopped being funny, like, you know, five minutes after they, uh, you know, they should have stopped making them. Like, there's a lot of that in there. Uh, you know, I, I love Ryan Reynolds. I love the the plot line with Cable and all that. And that was really cool. And I love the X-Force, you know, and everyone's everyone's dying as they're jumping out of the airplane. That's really funny. But, you know, it didn't hit me the way that Deadpool 1 did. You know, that cool action, bad-mouthing merc. You know, Deadpool 2 is just more of the same. And they didn't really take the movie in a place that, you know, made it rise above its predecessor. So I liked it, but not enough to put it in my top five. I didn't like it at all comparative to what the first one was because I'll put it this way. My wife and I, we actually watched it at home. We never caught it at the theaters, but when we watched Deadpool for the first time, we were busting up laughing. We were, you know, crying, tears coming out of our eyes. We were just rolling all over the place. It was incredibly funny. This was Ryan Reynolds doing his shtick at its best, just far superior than anything else he had done since waiting. Nothing else came close. This was suited to him specifically. And you and I have talked about that before. When it comes to what I saw in Deadpool 2, instead of me going, ha, 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 really laughing really hard at every joke that was out there, like you said, it was more of the same. And it was more like, (laughs) (laughs) and it just was not the same. It did not have the same hold on me. For me, it was just quite a step down not even in the same category or league as Deadpool. And that's a shame because there was only just a few moments where I was just like slight chuckling at best. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm curious what Disney's going to do with this property going forward. But yeah, I just, I wanted more from it and I didn't, didn't get that. Maybe next time we'll, we'll see what the future for Deadpool holds with Disney behind the wheel now. Doesn't matter what we say, $700 million plus later, it says a lot about where the series is going. Well, he's the kind of character that says what everybody is thinking. There's been, for some reason, like comedians can't do that anymore, but Ryan Reynolds puts on a red costume with ninja swords and he can do whatever he wants to, you know? So it's the crudeness that society wants but won't admit to. It's the 80s all over again, but only in limited form. Right, right. I guess it's okay if you put on a mask, you know, and he's he's a burnt person, so he can say whatever he wants to and get away with it, I guess. But what is your number nine? My number nine is Aquaman. Aquaman, just to me, was a lot of popcorn fun. You know what? It didn't have a, you know the, the best storytelling out there, nor did it need to. James Wan said, you know what? Let's turn up the fun to 10. And when it comes down to it, with all the CGI that was going on out there and all the you know, the stuff that was going on as far as with Jason Momoa's character, look, 
Jason Momoa just had to nail it with Aquaman as far as his character is concerned. Just all the other actors that are out there, Patrick Wilson, Willem Dafoe, Amber Heard, they just had to nail their characters and hang on for the ride. And that's all they needed to do. And that's that's what exactly they did. It's like I said, it's just a lot of fun. No, it's not Shakespeare. No, it's not high-end artsy entertainment. It is definitely just a lot of popcorn fun, but it is really, really good popcorn fun. And that's why I liked it at number nine. Yeah, it was it was definitely it was a great movie. Like you didn't have to really devote your mind to it. You can just kind of watch it. And it was a visual feast, it was a good spectacle. It was, you know, like those those night scenes in Avatar where they're just fun to watch. Another cool thing about it, not a lot of political stuff in there too, like you get in a lot of movies these days. So it, it's, well, there was a there was some statements there about as far as polluting the sea and, oh, yeah, and too much I war mean, and all that. I mean, that statements were clearly difficult. made in the film. Yeah, but you, you know, you're not diving into um, this side of the political aisle or that side of the political aisle. It's mostly just environmental stuff, and that's typical of it. Aquaman, even in the comic books. But no, this was a fun movie. I I enjoyed it. I I could go like. I like this movie better than Jurassic World. Jurassic Park is supposed to be like that type of movie, you know, the fun movie you go to watch to just kind of unwind. And Aquaman kind of filled the void left by the the la- the Fallen Kingdom movie that I was hoping would uh would come out. So good job, you know. And we'll we'll get to that. Uh, that's actually somewhere on my list. But uh, yeah, we'll. All right. Well, let's there. go with your number eight, my friend. Could that be on your list? <laughs> my number eight is Little Italy with Hayden Christensen and uh, what's Julia Roberts' niece's name? I always forget. Emma Roberts. It's a fun movie. It's funny because it's got, you know, these two people, their parents run competing Italian restaurants. So just seeing like all the little, the hijinks they play on each other. Like it, it's, it's got, it's a cheat. It's got some like romance cheese in it, but it's, it's, it's a pretty funny movie. And, you know, it's just, it's a simple plot, simple character, simple development. You know, it's going to happen. It, it's like love actually to me. It's just a comfortable movie to watch. And it got a short run in theaters, but I think it hit on demand pretty quickly. But uh, no, I enjoyed it. I think Hayden Christensen's a better actor than people give him credit for. I think with uh, Star Wars, he just got a bad script. So I'm hoping maybe one day we'll see more of them. But this this was a a pretty good little movie. Not not a lot of depth to it. Easy to watch if you're looking for something to just a popcorn flick. Sit down on a Friday night, soak yourself up in the couch for a bit. Little Italy is definitely something worth checking out. But what is your number eight? Well, I'd love to say my number eight is Vice, A Star Is Born, or Paddington Two, which I know my daughter, my eldest daughter, really just wants to go ahead and check out as soon as I as we can because we've heard such great things about it. It's been a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of top 10 and top 25 lists out there. And I know my daughter and I really want to check it out soon. Paddington 2, for some strange reason, it's getting a lot of great press out there and a lot of great reviews as far as end of the year results out there. But those three aren't on my list because I didn't get a chance to see them yet. But one movie I did get a chance to see within the past couple of weeks is at number eight, and that is Roma. And yes, it is an art film. And yes, you will be in the Oscar race. And yes, most likely will be a number one for a lot of critics out there. It is an artsy film. It is something that you're going to take in if you really want to enjoy it. But if you're not into those type of films, you're going to get sucked out of it right away. That's on Netflix uh, right now, right? If people want to check it, it out. That's correct. It is on Netflix. Subtitles you can get because it's all spoken word in Spanish. To me, I actually did not have 
the closed captioning on. I did not have the translation on, and I just truly enjoyed it for what it was. And I cannot say enough good things about it. It's a really visual type experience, even though it's black and white, because you see things from a perspective. Yes, in, in a lot of movies, you're seeing things from a perspective, and you're just like you're watching what's going on on screen. But you almost feel like you're just participating and you're just like right there within the action and you're seeing things in the way Alfonso Cuaron is trying to see things. And it's just the way it's just, just shot was in, in many scenes was just truly uh, something to behold. Unique ways of using the camera I've just not seen in quite some time that I, I truly enjoyed that aspect of it. Yes, it does some things in there that are, are supposed to just get you thinking, get you talking, and and are shocking at sometimes. But for the most part, it just tells a loving story between a housekeeper and the relationship she builds with the family that she works for. And in that sense, it's a really heartwarming story there. There is some tragedy involved. There is some NSFW content involved. But I'll tell you what, for the most part, it is an artsy movie. And if you're really into those type of small films, which really have a lot of big things to say, then Roma is for you. I didn't like it as much as a lot of those critics say. It's not going to be my number one choice coming out of the year, but I do see it picking up a lot of awards or a lot of recognition come Golden Globes time, Oscar time, and Film Critics Awards times and all that, because it is going to be a critical darling for a long time to come. I scrolled past it a few times on Netflix and I keep wanting to watch it, but you know, movies with subtitles, I really got to be in the mood for like, I got to, I can't do it when I'm tired. I got to sit down like with fresh eyes, maybe in the morning I'll check it out, but it's definitely, so it, it looks interesting and you know, we don't get a lot of artsy. I think the, the term artsy film is kind of underrated in the film industry. You know, everyone thinks they're being artsy, but it's big budget artsy. So you don't, this is an art film, no question about it. And it's from a director who has done big movies before in the past. Alfonso Cuaron has a big name in Hollywood. So this is just something that a passion project for him is based in the early 1970s in Mexico, that type of lifestyle. It just tell you what it, it just, it portrays that vision of what's going on possible revolution coming up or and things of that nature so it tells a story that i think he wants to see from a time and a place that he might be familiar with i think from what i'm reading investigating that he really does a great job in describing and shooting but the main actress involved she really carries the film and is the big reason why roma is such a good film is because of her efforts looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. What's your number seven, my friend, on the list? Number seven of your top films in 2018. Uh, I got Ready Player One. I know we, we talked about so there's stuff about this movie we liked, stuff we didn't like. 
it was just it was a good popcorn flick you know and it whether or not they they did skip a lot of stuff from the book but you kind of see why they did it you kind of see how some of that stuff wouldn't have translated well to the screen but i love the nostalgia you know i, I loved seeing old games that i have played old games that i haven't played i like the the scene with the gundam like seeing all this, that this old pop culture stuff like this movie is the reason we do this podcast so they took everything that i love and they put it into a movie granted it was in a book already but it was really cool to see all of this stuff come to life and just the you know the cg and the references and all of it like it was very well done say what you want about the stuff left out of the books but you know it's a movie you know it's not a a 30 chapter book so i enjoyed it i'm not going to disagree with you my friend i mean i have a review on popculturecosmos.com and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com on it that gave it a pretty good review a 7.5 out of 10 I found the first sequence and the final sequence to be amazing as far as from a pop culture just explosion out there that I had to see to believe. From the first part, they really got me sucked in when they first put on the glasses in the theaters. It just that immersion factor was right there for me. What took me out was the Stephen King references as far as to The Shining is concerned. Spoiler alert that Rob McCallum and I heavily disagree upon absolutely disagree upon as far as me saying that it's a big detraction from the movie and him thinking it's the best thing in there. And I really think the stuff with IOI could have been much better constructed. I think that stuff when it comes to the real world and Columbus out there, I think the book fleshes it out a lot better than what the movie did. And Steven Spielberg, if he had to do it over again, I think would probably, that's probably the one area he would focus on more is the stuff going on in the real world of Columbus and and really making that a lot better and a lot more fleshed out. And maybe getting someone under than Ben Mendelsohn, because all Ben Mendelsohn does now is villains. And it's getting to the point where he's doing a rehash of himself each and every time. And it's not good for his character. It's not good for his career or any character that he plays because we always know he's going to be a bad guy and he's always going to pretty much say the same and do the same things each and every time out after Rogue One. So those issues aside, I still thought the movie was just an outstanding visual feast when it comes to the first and third parts that definitely should not be missed. What is your number seven, though? Lucky number seven for me is Black Panther. A really, really good Marvel movie. I am not going to be putting it at the top of my list like I know a lot of other individuals are, but I'll tell you what, it's not too far off. It's still a very good movie for me. The performances themselves were outstanding and would, would, to me, really carry the picture. It's the motivation and the cast itself was just truly outstanding and top-notch. Just overall, it was just a fun enjoyable, meaningful, socially conscious adventure that tells a great narrative from beginning to end. I just didn't like the Black Panther versus Black Panther CGI fight at the end, which really did not look very good at all, in my opinion, as far as the CGI effects and whatnot. That kind of took me out, plus a little bit, couple other bumps in the way. But overall, it was a really, really good film. And I think people, if you've not seen it yet, you're crazy not to have. It really ties the Marvel Universe together just before the events of Avengers Infinity War really nicely. And I highly recommend going to see Black Panther as a very strong outlook for 2018. And something that's going to get a lot of notoriety and could be the first superhero movie that gets 
a lot of love in the beginning of the year when it comes to critic awards and the Oscar awards itself. So this is going to make me wildly unpopular. I liked Black Panther, but it's not in my top 10 movies. And see, this is where I, you know, I find common ground with a lot of Marvel fans, except for you, obviously. But I think that Black Panther was was very well done is a very good movie. The cast was absolutely amazing. For me, it didn't really go anywhere or do anything visually that other Marvel films hadn't already done. So I get why people like it and why it's getting such a big acclaim because, you know, like you said, it's 2018, it's very socially conscious. But, you know, as far as character development and visuals go, like it, it hasn't gone anywhere that, you know, say Avengers or Age of Ultron or uh, Thor Ragnarok. It didn't break any ground that they didn't already break. I like the movie, but I don't think that it's worthy of an award. Like I said, it's the number seven film for me of the year. I think it's going to get a lot of acclaim. And if it does get a big push as the first superhero movie to really get acclaim at the Oscars, so be it. And I think it's well deserving of it. What's your number six film, my friend? Number six on your top 10 films of 2018. Another Marvel film here. I got Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know, we talked about because it bridged the gap between Infinity War and whatever comes next. So it was simple. You know, you walked in, it was simple, it was entertaining. It went went from point A to point B without diving down any rabbit holes. You can just kind of, as a good popcorn flick, you sit there and watch it. Didn't have to worry about anything. Tied up the strings you wanted it to tie up. Of course, had the uh, after credit scene that delivered, and they already spoiled how that turns out in the uh, Infinity War Part 2 trailer. So... It dived into an aspect of the MCU I was hoping they would explore more, and it did its part. And, you know, we found out what happened to Scott Lang while the Avengers were fighting in Infinity War, and I'm excited to see where Ant-Man goes in Endgame. How did you feel about the movie? I thought it was a really solid movie myself. A lot of fun to watch. Another great popcorn flick. I should have put it on my honorable mentions along with Game Night and Won't You Be My Neighbor. It is something that was probably around the 13, 14 area for me, but still a very solid and fun movie, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I like that. I'll probably watch it again at least a couple more times because it's a really lot of fun. I didn't want to be trying to do anything it's that Avengers Infinity War was because Avengers Infinity War obviously took a turn for the worse and turned for the dark at the very end. They wanted to provide something light that is still somewhat meaningful and tied into the whole Marvel Universe thing. And I'm happy that it had the success that it did. It'll never find the success some of the bigger movies in the Marvel Universe will have, and even if they make another Ant-Man-type movie. But it still it has its own niche and its own place. And I believe Disney and Marvel, for some reason, just truly love and have a place in its heart for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Because the first one didn't do so hot, and it's on the lower end of success stories when it comes to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But they obviously have some place in its heart for Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's why they brought it out. And I'm glad this one did better. And I look forward to seeing another version coming up maybe in about three, four, five years of another Ant-Man and the Wasp coming to theaters. Because this one was really just a fun popcorn flick and a nice change of pace from what was going on in the bigger part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, my friend, where are we at as far as number six? I think it's my turn, is it? Is that correct? Yeah, what do you got brewing at number six? Isle of Dogs, my friend. If you've not seen this movie, and you're probably a lot like other people out there, is because this movie went under the radar, didn't score a whole lot of money when it comes to the box office, I think like 30 or $40 million worldwide. Just didn't 
make those kind of headway out there in as far as the box office is concerned. But an Isle of Dogs, where dogs are sent off the off Japan and exiled onto their own island where they have to make do for themselves. That concept and the art style as far as the animated style that they used in the film. And you know what? Any film that recreates Edward Norton as a star after, I don't know what he did wrong to make Hollywood angry, but it's finally nice to see Edward Norton come back in a strong performance again with Isle of Dogs. And I'll tell you what, it just really was an enjoyable film. And I cannot recommend it enough to anyone out there that wants to see a different type of film, but still yet have a place with its own type of animation and style. You know, that was on my list, and I never got around to seeing it because I think I forgot about it. So, And I should say Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Yeah, his, his movies are good. Moonrise Kingdom and uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zoo. Like, those are, those are all good movies. They're, they're kind of cult movies, you know, so you kind of don't hear. They, they're, they're, out, they're movies that are out there, man. They're yeah. weird, they're different, but they're fun to watch. Yeah, they're movies that, like, you hear about through word of mouth. You don't necessarily get a lot of marketing with them. Isle of Dogs. Definitely want to see that movie. Thank you for reminding me that it's on my list. So I definitely enjoyed Isle of Dogs. Coming up next, we'll have our top five of the top films in 2018 when we return. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. All right, and we're back for the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's our top 10 films of 2018. Coming up later on in the hour is our worst films of the year. My friend, I can't delay anymore. What is your number five film of 2018? I got The Nun. I actually really enjoyed this movie. I didn't think I was going to. I thought it was going to be another kind of cheesy horror movie. Well, because we all remember The Conjuring 2, like how when The Nun popped out of the painting, like that was scary. So... It's, it's cool to go back into that world, see that whole origin tale and how it ties into the Conjuring films. It was spooky. It was genuinely spooky. The one thing I didn't like about it, though, is that, you know how when movies try to tie into to other movies, you know, we see that with Marvel. Sp- Amazing Spider-Man did that, and that's why that whole series kind of tanked. But The Nun, they, they tried to do that just because they're trying to make a, I, I imagine they're trying to make a sequel, and they, they kind of ruin the... Uh, you know that cool sense of closure you you got originally so that that's my one complaint it's not just a horror movie it's kind of a mystery film too so you go along with the the pastor and the uh the i think the lady is actually supposed to be the what what's her name from the conjuring series so not 100 percent sure on that i keep trying to find it on the internet it's, it's good man definitely good you know you kind of learn what the nun is yeah you learn about all that as the characters do and that's the first time i'd ever seen that happen in a horror movie and i think that's that's also james Wan. yeah definitely good did you have any interest in seeing that i know we talked about it a bit i've seen bits and pieces of the nun and also bits and pieces of the conjuring franchise i want to go ahead at some point in time and sit down and watch the entire thing you know how it's laid out from the beginning because the nun is the beginning if i'm not mistaken correct yeah, well, because I think that Annabelle actually takes place before The Nun. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, but I'd like to go on the timeline and check that all out in its exact order. 
if you're looking for a good horror flick, people still like to be scared, uh, if I remember correctly, from my days working in a movie theater. Yeah, check this one out. This is it's one I didn't think would make my list, and it did. But I ask you, Gerald, what is your number five? Well, my top five, I could throw a blanket over them. And this time next week, I might give you another different answer. And the, for the next five weeks, I could give you five different answers because these five are razor thin close to each other. I was thinking one would be number five, five wouldn't be number one, three would be number two, two would number three. Just the, all these are just so close to me as far as exactly what I think of them because all these films I think are pretty much the same to me. But I'm going to give at number five, I'm going to probably have to say right now, if you tested me, Mission Impossible Fallout. Just truly a great film in the Mission Impossible series. My second favorite of the Mission Impossible films, and a lot of people, and you wouldn't be wrong if you said so, are saying that it's the best Mission Impossible ever, and it's not even close. And if you're saying that, I'm not going to argue with you. But Mission Impossible Fallout is truly an incredible ride from beginning to end. Tom Cruise, what can you say about him, man? You can pick on his movies choices from time to time, but when it comes to the Mission Impossible franchise, he goes all out, does all those stunts, breaks his foot, which you you know people have seen now as far as it's they've shown it all he over YouTube now. He murders people with airplanes. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. Right now, he cannot be stopped when it comes to Mission Impossible franchise. It reached heights box office-wise. It's never reached before, so the future is just going forward for this franchise. It's all because of that Mission Impossible Fallout is just a fun thrill ride from beginning to end. Yeah, it's actually on my my queue currently, so uh, it, it's next. Uh, it was I had somehow House with Clock in its Walls got put above Mission Impossible on my watch list, so I watched that instead of Mission Impossible mistake what the, but, uh, the, oh my gosh yeah, i'm gonna watch it probably tomorrow so we can have this conversation on the next episode we film but i do want to see it i haven't really been into the last two mission impossible films i loved the third one they're all chasing after something but nobody really knew what it was yeah i'm gonna check it out and we'll i'll get back to you on that for sure Okay, let's talk about the Flopcast. Where every week we drink a lot of coffee and we talk about comic books, movies, conventions, music, Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, don't forget the coffee. Lots of weird, obscure pop culture stuff from the 70s and 80s. And chickens. Yeah, chickens. This will be the stupidest half hour of your week. We guarantee it. You can find us on the ESO Network. And... Flopcast.net. What's your number four on the list, my friend, of the top movies of 2018? Number four, I got Venom. I actually like this movie a lot more than I thought I would. And I know we talked about it. We discussed this and uh, you aren't looking like you enjoyed it very much. But there's something about it, man. I'm at a Brock. I'm at a Brock with my fake New York accent in San Francisco. I'm at a Brock. Did you actually watch it? I... I liked it, man. I liked the dynamic between Venom and Eddie Brock. Yeah, it had a lot of gaps in it, but I wasn't going into it expecting it to rock my world in terms of intelligent storytelling. I just, I watched it because I needed to, you know, <laughs> I needed to add it to my list of movies I watched. But this one, I, I, I wasn't expecting to like it, and then I did. So I went in with almost zero expectations about what to expect. And I was pleasantly surprised by what I got. Yeah, there's a lot of gaps in story and 
character development and plot development it's missing a lot of things but it wasn't unbearable it wasn't unbearable in the vein of like green lantern if that makes sense you know and it didn't have the weight of a greater universe on its shoulders so we didn't have to worry about that it's a standalone flick and it's almost like tom hardy was playing two people it was fun to watch yeah his his new york accent's not not the best but it was uh it was it and was he's in san friend. francisco man I know, man, but like it was all right. Like I honestly can't pinpoint exactly what I liked about this movie, but I did like it. You know, I, I didn't regret spending two hours watching it. All right. Next on the list is my number four. And my number four is Incredibles 2, which I think is almost as good. I, I thought it might be better at the time I saw it now, but upon thinking about it and actually just watching parts of it again and thinking to myself, you know what, this is just about as good, but not quite as good, but just about as good as a sequel can get to its original movie that was done so many years later. I love The Incredibles. I think it's Pixar's best film ever, and Incredible 2 is just a feather shade right behind it, along with Toy Story and a couple others. But Incredibles 2 is an, just a, it's an incredible tale. Pardon the pun there, but it is an incredible tale and about how it leads into Elastigirl's time in the sun. Well-deserved. Truly enjoy the whole thing and the whole reimagining of the Incredibles. I was hoping for years that we would see a sequel, and I was not disappointed at all with Incredibles 2. I think it's just a really fun movie and one of Pixar's best. Dag nabbit. Gerald, I completely forgot that I watched that movie. Jeez, oh, I, that would have been on my list. It would have been on my top 10. So I'm just going to agree with everything you just said. My only complaint oh, about it was that I did not like the mind control aspect of it. I know that it's supposed to be showing, like, I guess normal people can be supervillains. I don't know if that was the, the theme they were shooting for in that one. But I feel like mind control is much like having a pet die in a movie. It's just a cheap storytelling. It's a lazy storytelling tactic. Kind of like time travel. Kind of like Captain America Civil War, if that's the case, and Daniel Bruce's character over the Winter Soldier. Yes, exactly. There's a lot going on, but it was funny. And it had, like, gotta love Craig T. Nelson. Like, that guy is, he owns that voice. And it is it is so good. I love the movie. And why we had to wait 10 years for that, I don't know. But I am hoping so much that they round it off by making it a trilogy. I hope so, too. And I th- I believe strongly that that movie Incredibles 3 would be a hit and obviously would be something that is well worth watching because Incredibles 2 was a tremendous sequel to the best movie Pixar has ever made. All right, my friend, top three, top three. So it starts off with you. What is your number three choice for the best in movies in 2018? You know, I can't remember if this is one that I, who I argued with about this one. It's uh, This was a very divisive movie. Solo, a Star Wars story. I it wasn't with me. I thought it was good, but not not at your level. Uh, well, okay. So keep in mind, though, I didn't see as many. I saw probably about eighteen movies this year, so I didn't see as many as I normally watch. So that's why I was kind of cramming them all in at the end of the year here. But no, it, it was a side of the Star Wars universe that I don't really know much about, and it, it didn't hold itself accountable to with besides the parts with Darth Maul and all that. It didn't really hold itself accountable to the greater mythology of the universe and. It was just, it was fun, you know, it was a fast paced film. You got the, uh, it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Cowboy Bebop. And, you know, I have an affinity for that show. So it, it was, it was a fun movie, man. Like, and it, it you know, it had the, the seriousness of a star. It, it just, it was, you know, it had the seriousness of a Star Wars movie, 
but it also had fun elements to it and those were things that we haven't been given in star wars not in large doses at least so you know and all the people giving i think old alden alden emmerich i think is his name i didn't i didn't ironreich yeah everyone giving him like crap about the way he portrayed solo he had a huge shoes to fill and nobody in their right mind would be brave enough to try to fill those shoes so i i commend him and i think he did a great job they developed chewbacca you know, in a way that hadn't been done since, you know, the, the battle on Kashyyyk and all that. So, And only Donald Glover can get away with falling in love with a robot. Oh, yeah, for sure. And just the way he portrayed Lando, like that was cool, too, because we got to see things that had only been talked about in other films. And it, it's not like we were expecting this to have some big lore behind it. You know, it just brought to life stories from old Star Wars movies and it it ended, you know, and there wasn't exactly any cliffhangers or anything is just kind of it was a solo story and i really enjoyed it i liked it everyone told me how bad it was so i was going into it expecting to hate it and i i liked it i was i was enamored by it from start to finish what did you think because i I can't remember if we talked about this or not well you hadn't seen it so i gave my review on the air of it i think when it comes to the four movies that have been released what now since the star wars has been rebooted Force Awakens, Rogue One, which I'm wearing the shirt for, Last Jedi, and Solo Star Wars Story. I put all those in between the 7 and 7.5 out of 10 type deal, where I just think they're eh, pretty good movies. Eh, 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 eh. In each of those movies, you've had tremendous highs and tremendous lows when it comes to the actual overall story arc as far as the plot lines, the acting, and just you know, the whole thing. When it comes to Solo, a Star Wars story, I think for me in the long run, that might be the best of the four so far. But that's still, like again, like I said, around the 7, 7.5 area. The first 10 minutes are god-awful. On his home planet, you know, him and Amelia Clark, they're on their home planet. and just That's just god-awful. That's just that's awful that's stuff. That's a- that had a Blade yeah, but, Runner vibe to it, like they're trying to be a movie they weren't. Yeah, exactly, and it just it just didn't feel. But as soon as he went to war with the Empire, once he starts getting to that, then it becomes a pretty good flick to watch. Just really good stuff along the way, with little hints of Star Wars lore along, just enough to feed you from breadcrumb to breadcrumb. Like I said before, Donald Glover is absolutely brilliant as Lando. Just truly wished he was more in the film to me than he was. Alden Ironreich, I really liked his character and the way he attempted to try and become Han Solo. No, it doesn't. I guess, you know what? I was watching CinemaSins review it the other day, and I'll tell you what, he doesn't sound like Han Solo. He doesn't act too greatly like Han Solo, but he feels what he's doing in the movie feels like what Han Solo would have done at that point in time. And I think that's probably the best thing you can say about what Alden Ironreich did in the movie. He's not Harrison Ford, but he tried to do the best job he can. And I don't think he should be faulted for it in the slightest. And I think in his own right, he did a pretty decent job. Woody Harrelson did a solid job as well as Beckett. Amelia Clark was all right as the uh, the female villainess in the movie. I'm sorry that it did so poorly at the box office in Star Wars lore. I know it's the worst 
movie box office wise, not even close when it comes to the Star Wars saga is concerned. And that's a shame because it doesn't deserve that fate because there are far worse Star Wars movies out there that have been made that deserve that honor. People should go ahead and go out of their way to watch it because like I said, after the first few minutes, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was very well paced and it did what it needed to do. Yeah, other than that, uh, what is your number three, sir? My number three, and like I said, my top five, you could throw a blanket over them because they're all about the same to me. But number three was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. First, I tell you, in September when we were previewing, I said, this is something I'm probably going to see on video. I think that's what I remember myself saying. I didn't think it was going to go into the theaters and watching it. But as I heard more good pub, as I heard more good press, as I began to see that this is something that even someone who isn't a Spider-Man fan like me, I'm not a big Spider-Man fan. I'm going to go and check it out anyways. And boy, I was not disappointed in the slightest. The visual style and the animation style, with all due respect to my friend that works at Pixar and the whole great staff at Pixar, and also as well to the individuals that that worked on Isle of Dogs and other movies that have done a great job of animated films. I'm sorry, Sony Animation is going to win the award for Best Animated Movie of the Year because that style and that artwork that was done in the film truly is amazing it lays itself out like a comic book and is truly something to behold it tells a great narrative and a great story there's only a couple parts at the end where it comes to the uh, finality of the villainous characters doc ock and kingpin some of the moves that they make and some of the things that happen to him at the end are a little bit perplexing to say the least they're like plot holes that are sticking out there but other than that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is something a lot of people should get into because it is truly one of the best films of 2018. I do want to see it, man. I, I have not had a chance. to. There's a few movies that I still want to see. You're a bigger Spider-Man fan than I am, and you need to go and check out this movie. Definitely, I want to, and I want to see it in the theaters because I love the Spider-Verse story arc, and I love all the characters. Spider-Man noir, Nicolas Cage, right? How, how, is, how is the voice of that character? Was it all right? It was all right. He did a he did a fair job at it. He it sounded like he enjoyed it more than the execution, but it comes off okay. I will say that I did like this movie a little bit more than Spider-Man Homecoming, and that makes it for me the best Spider-Man film ever. Oh, nice, man. That's pretty high praise. Now, you know how I feel about Amazing Spider-Man, so uh it's that this might compete with it. This might compete with it. Oh, dang, man. All right. Well, I'm interested. It's it's on my list, dude. I do want to see it. I'm glad you liked it. So if you're if you're giving it high praise and our opinions on Spider-Man movies have been more or less on track with each other before. So if you're digging this movie, it's probably something I do want to see. So we're down to our top two, my friend. I want to hear it from you. Top two. What is your number two on your list of the top films of 2018? Okay, so my number two, it's not really anything we need to talk about because we already covered it. It's Aquaman. I liked I liked it, you know, and I already said everything that we could say about it. And it was uh, the acting was good. It was a good visual spectacle. It, there wasn't really a lot to worry about as far as times with the Justice League. Just that brief mention of fighting Steppenwolf and cool to see the Atlanteans in the the way that they I think that was the way they were portrayed in, in Justice League right when they're showing them protecting the cube so it's cool to kind of see that culture on the screen you know like I said I just want to see how it ties into a greater universe because these movies with Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot feel kind of pointless if the rumors are true that they're just going to reboot everything so 
Uh, I think Warner Brothers needs to get their act together and figure out what they want to do. But good movie. And I hope that uh, Jason Momoa gets to stick around for a sequel. All right. So what do you got sitting tight at number two? Speaking of superhero flicks, there was none larger this year than Avengers Infinity War. And for me, Avengers Infinity War was truly something that hit on all levels. It needed to do a lot. And the Russo brothers were tasked with trying to tie in 10 years worth of Marvel movies. They were given a bigger task than any directors I think have ever been given doing a movie. Disney, Marvel, they come to them and they say, look, we need you to tie in all these other movies that we've made, including the ones that you've made, and tie them all into one larger narrative when it comes to the first part and the second part, which is coming next year, of course, in Avengers Endgame. But it all leads into this one because this is the most important of the two films because this is the one that's supposed to buy you in. This is the movie that's supposed to get you to want to see Endgame. If this movie is a stinker, then you know what? Unfortunately, you're not going to want to see Endgame. That'll be the Endgame for Endgame. So Avengers Infinity War had so much writing on it, so much depending on the future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it paid off, and it paid off in spades. I'll tell you what, the Rooster, the Rooster Brothers did an outstanding job with what they had to deal with. Is it the perfect picture? No. I'm sure they could have done a little bit tweaking here or there, but the overall just action galore, a lot of characters get their time in the sun. Avengers Infinity War is the movie I think that really people will look back upon as tying this whole thing together as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe and doing such an incredible job in doing it. My hat's off to the Russo Brothers for making for me, actually until a few days ago, was for me the number one movie of the year in Avengers Infinity War. All right. Well, two birds with one stone. That's actually my number one pick. So uh, oh, good job with the spoilers, man. Jeez. It's just it's all dust, right? Um, dust yeah. in the wind. <laughs> all we are is dust in the wind. Uh, that song always makes me think of old school after Blue dies. My boy, Blue. Um, well, I know, but now it's going to make me think of Avengers Infinity War. But yeah, it was uh, the movie was was great. Like I love the opening scene. I love uh, you know seeing the Hulk fall down to the earth and seeing like the the battle scenes were cool. It felt like its own its standalone movie leading into something bigger. Yeah, it was is you know everything you said. Excellent movie, very well done. It was huge. It was a huge movie. A lot of moving pieces, and it was done on a scale that I've never seen before, and that was really cool. Definitely looking forward to Endgame. But Gerald, what is your number one movie? I can't believe I'm going to say this, but my number one movie of the year, and again, my top five are really close together, and my number one movie this year is not quite as good as Blade Runner 2049, but it is still an outstanding movie nonetheless, and it is the best movie I have seen in 2018. I cannot believe I'm saying this. Crazy Rich Asians, man. I'll tell you what. Crazy Rich Asians is my number one movie of 2018. It's a rom-com. I am the guy who has just laughs at rom-coms because they're bad. It almost destroyed Matthew McConaughey's career, almost went in the toilet because of all the rom-coms he was doing. I mean, those films were just nauseatingly bad. Rom-coms have just such a bad tinge to it and so many tropes. 
I mean, anybody when I when I see anybody turning to the Hallmark Channel and watching those, you know, paint by numbers, color by numbers, one, two, three, you know, dude falls in love, always something going wrong, girl falls in love later on, then they fall in love together, end of story type deals that you see on the Hallmark Channel. I just go like, why are you wasting your time? Like just these rom coms are just over the years. I've just been nauseating to me. And Crazy Rich Asians, I checked that out the other day, and I'll tell you what, it makes a lot of those tropes and weaves it into the narrative of Crazy Rich Asians, but it does it better than any one of them and is by far and away the best romantic comedy I've ever seen in my life. I cannot believe I'm saying those words. It's just truly incredible, just that the emotions that come out of you, both good and bad, it's a pretty funny movie, but it just brings out more emotions besides happiness. Just the, the fact that you've seen these things before in other movies, but it just does it so much better. Yes, it deals with the type of culture that maybe a lot of people aren't familiar with. I'm truly saddened that the Chinese culture themselves didn't want to attach themselves and, and go out and see this in any big numbers because it was a big flop in the Chinese marketplace. But I can also see why it was such a huge success everywhere else because it's some part of the world that a lot of people aren't familiar with that they wanted to get familiar with. Are a lot of these characters accentuated and maybe turned up to a level 10? Yes, they are. But I'll tell you what, it just makes this movie so much more enjoyable. It does give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain of a world that you may not be familiar with, but it also, first and foremost, tells a love story that's not going to be derailed no matter what is thrown at it. And to me, there are tropes in there that are not unfamiliar to me that I've seen a thousand times before, but it to me, it has never been done better than Crazy Rich Asians. And I cannot believe I'm saying this, but it is the best movie I have seen of 2018. Not by much, if you ask me next week, I could say it's Avengers Infinity War. I could even tell you it's Mission Impossible Fallout. But as I'm recording this, it's Crazy Rich Asians for 2018. That's not actually that weird because I have heard great things about that. It's I'm on the fence about whether or not I'm going to watch it. I, I, pr I probably will just one day out of boredom. I'll watch it. Yeah, it, it's interesting how we can take a formula that is is tried and true and then we can burn out on it. And then you approach it from a different perspective and all of a sudden it feels fresh again. That's exactly how I felt as I was watching it. But that makes me wonder, like, if we applied a similar thing to, like, raunch comms, you know, would we be able to revive American Pie type movies if we did them in a different culture? It's just a very fascinating thought to me. Well, that was our, uh, our top 10 films. You had some ones I forgot that I wanted to see, so uh, I'll be keeping busy this week. What are your thoughts out there on the best films of 2018? Do you like our list? Do you have any yourself to pick? And what is your number one choice for the best film in 2018? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game sorts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. We'll quickly run down our worst films of 2018 when we return. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. 
Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. So before we head on out, my friend, what were the worst movies for you in 2018? Okay, worst movies. Pains me to say this because I know there's good intention behind making it 1517 to Paris. Uh, it's just the acting was just almost too too much for me. Next one would be Annihilation. You know, still not sure how I felt about that one, but it's, it's <laughs> not one that I would recommend to anybody. After all these months, yes, you feel the same way. Is that you don't know how to feel? I don't know how to feel. Yeah. Uh, I got Super Troopers 2 was pretty bad, but I mean, that's to be expected from a broken lizard movie. It's funny, but it's bad. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, definitely a uh, pretty low on my uh, my favorite film list of the year. So there's that. And you know, the Meg, I want to talk about the Meg. Okay, the Meg was entertaining. You know, I didn't hate it when it came out, but it was just it was like a B grade horror movie on Netflix, though. You know, you were watching it because it was bad. So it almost the fact that you don't hate it coming out doesn't actually mean anything for something like that. My last one would probably be Fantastic Beast of Crimes of Grindelwald. I was expecting so much from that movie and it did not deliver on anything. My special mentions for my favorite movies, The Predator and Constantine City of Demons. Like those were two that I didn't get to watch till the end of the year, but I actually liked them quite a bit, you know, and I didn't I, they weren't they weren't good by any stretch of the imagination, but The Predator felt like an old Predator movie to me, and that's kind of what I wanted to watch from it. But what are your flops, man? Well, my flops start off with Pacific Rim Uprising, just a horrible way to go ahead and slam on Guillermo del Toro's very fun first film. Pacific Rim Uprising was a just a rancid sequel, boring throughout. And unfortunately, the way they tied it in to previous characters who now become villains, that was awful. And that's why Pacific Rim Uprising is number five for me. Even worse was Skyscraper. Do you actually watch that movie? I watched that movie, unfortunately. I cannot take two hours of my life back from it. So unfortunately, this was one of The Rock's worst outings. And lately, he's had a lot of very subpar performances and this one is just maybe the worst of all of them. Okay, maybe Baywatch for a lot of people, but or maybe Rampage. But Skyscraper for me is really just the fourth worst movie of the year. And it could be even lower, but there were some really big-time poops on this list. So Skyscraper wanted to be Die Hard, unfortunately. Not even close to being Die Hard. Number three on my worst of list, Tomb Raider. Oh, if you thought the first two Tomb Raiders in the early 2000s with Angelina Jolie were cheesy and popcorny, but were passable at best, or were not even good at all, you know what? This is like below them. And Alicia Vikander, she deserves a lot better than being in this trash because this trash was just goodness awful. The way they try to make their own type of storyline that still how somehow blends in from the rebooted video game, which we spoke of so highly on the multiverse. Yeah, it just, it stunk and it's bad. And the curse continues for the video game genre on film. And it definitely continues after the poor performance of Tomb Raider. Number two, 
I so wanted this to be number one after I was watching about an hour and a half in, but there is a movie worse than this one, and that is Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. It is just pure garbage. What a disappointment for someone who is not a Harry Potter fan. My whole house is, but I'm not the Harry Potter fan, even though I've seen quite a bit of the movies. I really like the first Fantastic Beasts movie. And I was starting to get involved and more in tune with the Harry Potter universe. I was thinking about reading the books and and getting more involved with that. And you know what? Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald comes around and it takes me right out of it. And this movie was awful. The motivations behind the characters, especially at the end. Why is this person going with this person? Why is this person going bad? Why is this person going good? Why is this individual not being with this person? Why don't you start telling the love stories that you were once leading into in the original movie? What happened to all those storylines? Did you just decide to go ahead and put them on hold? The good things about Fantastic Beasts, you decided to just almost ditch entirely in this movie and create something where you know it was just Johnny Depp trying to hold the film together. And unfortunately, he didn't do a good enough job of doing that because this movie was just... Oh, oh. Two and almost two and a half hours of my life wasted because of it. And last but not least, the worst movie of the year for me is actually a movie that was supposed to be on the big screen, but the smartest individuals of the year are the production companies behind the Cloverfield Paradox who decided to not put this out on the big screens. And they are the smartest people in the world for 2018 because you know why? Because they didn't put it out on the big screens. They actually put it on Netflix. They did a huge surprise commercial at the Super Bowl, and they made a lot of initial views for it and got their money back, I'm assuming. And Netflix was happy. You know what? The only people that weren't happy were the viewers of this turd. Tyler Baker, he wanted to give it a pass. But my friend Tyler, I'll tell you what, this is just, an awful, awful science fiction movie sends the Cloverfield series down into the toilet. It is just awful viewing. I cannot stand it, and I never want to see it again. That is the Cloverfield paradox. Ugh. The Cloverfield paradox was by far the worst, and everybody involved with it should just forget about it as best they can. You know what? Again, the smartest people in the world were the people who decided to go ahead and make the call to put it on Netflix and not in the movie theaters. Yeah, I never watched it. I wanted to. It was on Netflix, and then you said it was on my queue, and then you said some not flattering things about it. So I was like, eh, maybe I'll skip out on this one. I didn't see Cloverfield Lane. My brother told me it was bad, which is weird because I really loved the first Cloverfield movie, and I loved what they did with it. And I like seeing you know now famous actors in that movie run for their lives. But yeah, I just I wish that they're gonna make more Cloverfield movies. Stop being all artsy about it and just make a sequel to the cloverfield movie because we all want to know what happened just go there why why bother you know dumping all this money into things that people if, if modern cinema has proven anything it's that people do not like experimental films and that's kind of what they're trying to do with cloverfield so i hope that if they're going to make another one they just go back and make a sequel to the original one because everyone who watched that movie wanted to see more of it and it seems at this point it would be a stupid idea not to give them what they want, but that's just me. Yeah, man. Well, any closing thoughts here? If you have thoughts on the worst movies of 2018, did you like what we thought about our list of 2018? Or do you have your own worst pictures of 2018? 
shares her thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, we made it through the best and worst of 2018 as far as films are concerned. Any last thoughts on the way out? You know, starting January 1st, we'll have a whole new bucket of films to watch and judge and talk about. So stay tuned. Next year's episode will be better. Hopefully it will be with a lot of great films coming up in 2019. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.